0: time is it? You tell me. It's time for Worst gig Ever. Hey! Hey, I'm
2: your host, Mike Pace. I'm your co-host, Jeff Garlock. <laughs> well, I guess we're both co-hosts there, so... on, <laughs> well, you took the title of host. I did, I... So, I, fuck
0: you! <laughs> there we go! And our guest this week is a very funny...
2: News update. News update. Wait, hold
0: the press as we have to interrupt the intro to this episode to give you a very special message. We, collectively... You and I are incredibly proud to present the worst gig ever web show. What? Courtesy of official comedy. It's on youtube.com backslash official comedy. We've been working on this for months. We've been working on it in secret, been working in the dark. Yeah. But now we are in the lights. And if you go towards the light by going to youtube.com backslash official comedy, look up Worst Gig Ever. You'll see the first episode is up with our phenomenal guest, H. John Benjamin, the voice of Archer, Bob's Burgers. It's a, its amazing.
2: We're—we're—we're—we're we're, we're, we're all very excited here in the Worst Gig Ever camp. They are 22-minute episodes. Yeah, they are fun. They're um, silly. They're silly. They're, they're, they're entertaining. If you like the podcast, but you don't have a full hour to
0: listen to it, and you want to see our faces, <laughs> if you want to stare check at our out mind. Worst Gig Ever on officialcomedyyoutube.com. Backslash official comedy
2: We've got seven episodes That are going to be released over
0: the next couple of weeks Keep your
2: eyes peeled Check them out uh, Now in the near future And from now on Exactly Uh, It's it's an amazing new part of our empire
0: So Bless you People of the earth (laughs) Enjoy the show Enjoy the podcast Enjoy your life L'chaim Hey Our guest this week Is a very funny lady Yep Jenna Friedman Jenna Friedman. Very funny stand up. She's Fantastic a stand-up. comedy writer. She's written for a host of shows. She's got some crazy stories. She some weird stories. Yeah, she acted in a movie based on a Craigslist ad that she answered and a Weird this ride. Very weird. Um she talks us talks. She talks us. She talks us. us. He talks us down from the ledge, which is where I am right now. She talks (laughs) us about writing for television. She also burns us in a way at the end of this episode that I I have never, and it's fantastic. If you're a fan of burn notice, you'll love that burn. Exactly. Hey, maybe if you're a little hot under the white collar. <laughs>
2: You'll and also put it on your suits, or your David USA, shows. or your Franklin and Bash, in a way, <laughs> or like, Rosolian and
0: Isles. Hey, if look, if you're into the Isles, you're going to be into what? <laughs> what are you going to be into if you're uh, into the Isles? The back catalog that is the worst gig ever. Podcast. That's what what I thought you were out. Say. Those old episodes, worstgigeverpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Facebook. Like us, rate us, review us. Just don't call us a cab. Uh, <laughs> you, you, a cab. You, you, you can write us, uh worst at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, at worstgigever, at MikeyPace, at GGarlock. We're there for you. You're going to love the way you look when you listen. You're also <laughs> going to love the way you look when you're listening to this episode on your tweaked audio headphones. I
2: look freaking fantastic when you know i'm wearing what? these yeah, things
0: they just they fit into the other. comfortable you go to tweakedaudio.com you put in the promo code worst you'll get one third off of a pair of headphones that you decide to purchase lifetime warranty sounds like a deal it's to great me great product we want to thank uh the sponsor for this episode tweaked audio we're there for you if you know no i actually did come up with a catchphrase it's not we're there for you baby um <laughs> uh, uh, wait, I wrote this down, and I wanted—I want to tell the world. All I right. literally, this happened at nine at at four twenty-eight a.m.
2: Good, I'm glad. I you're woke up and then I made a note. Brain is working hard. Tweaked
0: audio. It's not what you listen to. It's how. Oh,
2: what's up, madman? Right. <laughs> there we go. It's not a, <laughs> tweaked audio. Don Pace over here. It's, it's... Mike Draper. <laughs> no, Don Pace. My dad. There we go. See? There we go. It's in the blood. My dad's name,
0: <laughs> Don Pace, an advertising man. Look Subliminal seduction, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Speaking of seducing your ears, here is Jennifer Friedman.
2: Freedman. L- let's say that
0: again. Here's Jennifer Friedman. Kicking ass and taking names. <gasps> I'm
1: Uh, my worst gig was definitely, um, I was, um, cast in a film in Italy, which was really exciting, but I got it on Craigslist. So I was kind of like, <laughs> everybody was, <laughs> Why? Wait, you I was in a really places? weird place. Right. I had just moved to New York. Right. I got booked to do the Soho theater mm-hmm. in London and like an idiot, I bought a one way ticket. Mm-hmm. And so like, and I was opening for a friend of mine and, um, I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this gig, gig in London. And So like, I went on Craigslist and there was like an acting role in a film that was in Italy. They fly you from New York to Italy. The dates lined up perfectly with like – it would have been right after the London gig uh-huh. and it would have paid for all my travel. I just had to like get the part and like <laughs>
0: – No, wait, just back up for a second. Is the London gig – is that The London Comedy- gig was stand-up. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And the uh, – Acting gig was just, like, a female lead and like, an indie rom-com, but, like, the character was, like, a bartender who was, like, also, like, an artist, which is, like, I was a bartender at the time, and um, so I auditioned, like, four or five times, and I weirdly got this part.
0: The role you were born The role to play. I
1: was born to play, and um, it was, like, awesome. It was funded by the Fresco Baldis, which is kind of, like, this wine powerhouse florentine family they're like one of the founding families of florence i didn't know this at the time i found this all out later (laughs) but like at the time like i totally thought i was getting sex trafficked like everyone i know like we were like you're going to italy to do this weird film like the director has like an imdb cred which is like like dry like uncredited driver in like a todd Solins film like he was an nyu student Um, and the script was kind of like cheesy, but it was just like a, like kind of indie mumblecore type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it was like six weeks in Italy and I ended up going and it was like totally legit except for like a couple kind of, I don't know, I guess I could talk about it a little bit more. But like the director ended up being like a crazy person who like, I had to like, I was like staying in his like palace. Like his family, (laughs) literally their house was attached to like this It's called Santa Croce. It's like a church in Mm -hmm. Florence. Uh Their family home was attached to it.
0: So he was an Italian man. He's an Italian.
1: Yeah. And I like, I was like staying there and like, I just like had to like get like a new lock because like he had my key.
0: Like (laughs) it was really scary. It was Roberto Benigni, right? We can. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. It was just
1: some like guy (laughs) who like lives in Williamsburg. It was like nice. It was like a very interesting experience. Like I, what else? Oh, I met this girl who was like. I just met her because she we were filming a scene, and she like just sat down to be like an extra. And I was like making fun of her at first because she was like this like white chick like me. but like she had like chocolate on her face. And she was like trying to like look sexy and be an extra in the background of this like like zero budget uh-huh. film. And anyway, she became like I kept running into her, and she was like studying at like a university there, but she was from New Orleans. And also from Venice and, like, was born with, like, um, six fingers on, like, both of her Ooh. hands because she's, like, a blue-blooded aristocrat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not kidding. And then we ended up becoming friends. And then I would just, like, whenever I was, like, not filming, just, like, go travel with her. And her friends, I'm not making this up. And I don't know if it's funny, but, like, one of her friends, she was, like, hanging with this, like, weird Florentine crew where, like, this one guy was, like, um, he was, like, famous because he was, like, on Italian big brother.
2: Uh-huh. and
1: like he was like <laughs> like would like host all these like young I was like 26 so I was like an old maid at right. that time but these like 19 year old girls on his like yacht and like one time he took me out and I was like I had to like go home and it's like 9pm like I just wanted to get away from him and he was like so mad at me for like standing him up, and he's like, ah, "I was an Italian
0: Big Brother," oh. <laughs> he's just like the Trump card. The Trump Pulled card.
2: Is it as big in Italy as it is in the UK? Because like in the UK, it's like it's huge, huge. They have yeah. their own is channel. Yeah.
1: I fucked up then. So I,
2: yeah, you <laughs> because like in the out. UK they've got like a twenty four hour channel. That's just like Big Brother. He was on after season I.
1: five of Gran Armando. Wow. I think that's like the Italian version <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of
2: Big Brother. I don't know. Roberto Benini. Roberto
1: yes. Benini.
0: Uh, but, but just walk us through the logistics. <laughs> I, know, I'm of sure like, I just didn't. Back rock. up a second here. That you're was this literally like okay, let me just see if i can get more work while i'm over there let me look on craigslist was, in the film tv video this
1: is me just just moved to new york doing stand up bartending got a gig didn't know how i was going to make it there and was like kind of on craigslist looking for other mm-hmm. like was it in the right. gig
0: section
2: or yeah, yeah it was the in like... like
1: acting gigs okay. which right. is like that's like the scariest place you can be yeah. as like a young girl <laughs> craigslist acting gigs yeah
2: god uh yeah cuz it does seem scary most Gigs but go it also ta- sa- kind of casting sounds like, agents or kind of sounds like the you know. best gig ever though because it
1: kind of was and the director I think he just kind of went like nuts at one point and I ran into him in the hallway and he had like a pile of money and he just was like <laughs> here and like gave it to me
2: <laughs> was that your payment or just a bonus here you go take it yeah. enjoy
1: it's just italian men are like nice. right you in know? italy we
2: share money
1: well they're just you know i don't know i don't think i'm making sense right now i'm just talking
2: no, no. it's a, I, I how long were you there for the movie six weeks that's all right that's yeah
1: i was the so fil- we filmed for four weeks and then they were like stay for two more <laughs> and I had, more money, more money. I had nothing going on i wasn't like sleeping with anyone but. By the right. Way I wasn't, but my friend Lily and I like traveled around. The Lily's the one who's just there for school, mm-hmm. and right, it just was like a crazy, weird thing. Did you
2: ever see the movie? Yeah,
1: the film. Um, I saw like a rough cut of it, it was beautifully shot, but like the script was kind of weird, and like the guy that they cast as the main guy was like not an actor, they were trying to like. <laughs> do that like mumble core aesthetic but he like Mm -hmm. actually like choked and like froze and like he was supposed to be riding a bike that was like a big part of the film but like he didn't know how to ride a bike and like (laughs) my character was a chain smoker and like i don't smoke yeah so like any like like dramatic scene i'm literally and we shot with the red and it was like right when the red was like a new camera yeah and it was so beautiful but like i'm choking as i'm trying to talk because like (laughs) i'm clearly not a smoker and it was like my first major like film thing right and like you can't like they and they were giving me Marlboro Reds as opposed to even like fake cigarettes or like anything. <laughs> yeah, like they don't play Pot. in Italy. Like
0: they <laughs> love like.
1: But it was just like oh, the, <laughs> I'm like coughing as I'm like <laughs> like what like he's your best friend. Why are you? T-? And the script is really bad. So like, it was always like why are you like why would you do that to your
0: best friend? Like it's just like really <laughs> shitty. It was, like the room. I'm expository <laughs> right now. <laughs> I know. So money, <laughs> more money. Did <laughs> the movie actually come out?
1: Um, no, it was in a couple film festivals. It was in like the Seattle Film Festival. Like yeah, mm-hmm. the um the director and like the writer were like boyfriend and girlfriend and then like he like we all had this weird falling out so i kind of stayed away from them (laughs) right
2: that's (laughs) here's a very weird technical thing just because i'm not sure did they record your voice on set oh or did you over have to overdub
1: I didn't loop Or over okay.
2: Was there an Italian I mean, actress Who in afterwards That used to be a thing For Italian movies And I wasn't sure If that was still the case Where like At least in the 70s and 80s They just didn't believe In having on Camera. Oh on state yeah, set. So it's like no, it's stupid. We do everything later. Yeah, no, uh, no, no. So I, like every Italian movie. That's why it always looks overdub It's it's because they've got multiple sure. people from different countries, but also because they were just like it's some crazy like, idea. Whatever, we don't need yeah. to do it now. We, we have money. Let's, yeah.
1: more <laughs> money. <laughs> Let's enjoy the moment. That's a <laughs> really making.
0: weird story. I mean, that's a really weird story. It gets <laughs>
1: so much weirder. I'm just glossing over.
2: Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> Is, is there more... It gets weirder in, in that are you going to share any more of these I'm
1: weird I'm afraid details. to a little bit because, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know, but...
2: Oh, it was the Mafia. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: the
1: Mafia. Yeah, that's why.
2: Suffice it to say, it was weird.
1: I'll get hurt.
0: <laughs> but I, 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 still, I like my thumb. I still can't get over that you, like, applied to, uh, you know, it was a Craigslist movie. Totally. I think that worked that you, like, got and it, it. totally and, like, worked, yeah. we're f- were flown over to shoot a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, this stuff does work. They're always looking, you know, Craigslist is always advertising for... This episode's brought to you by Craigslist. It was, My it was and, so yeah. much
1: fun. It was, like, in Italy for six weeks, and yeah. we were, like, filming on these, like, beautiful vineyards, and it was just, like, awesome.
0: Italy is, uh, you know, I played in a band for many years, and when yeah. we did a European tour, we spent like a week in Italy and it was just like oh, we love you you know <laughs> I really felt the uh I for love the
2: listener it. I, I love did Italy. I did
0: the hand gesture too
2: I love Italy although the one time I went to Florence I did not enjoy it oh. just because it was snowing
1: oh that's oh wow that's what uh are.
2: and I wait I decided to wait for three hours to get into whatever the art museum was and as soon as I got in there I was like I don't care about art <laughs> yeah <laughs> neither does my wife and we just literally just were running <laughs> through it just like yeah, look at that. Hey, hold on. I, hold. I, I don't will care. also say that as great as
0: as the band's European tour was, Florence was one of was like the bad show of it. Oh. And that yeah, for whatever reason, it wasn't even in like the it was outside of town. It was like in a weird compound that like I never <laughs> right. even got to really see. It sounds like you really got to spend some time yeah over there. Yeah, yeah. It's a magical in depth with
2: Florence.
0: <laughs> we'll just we'll use our we'll, we'll use our imagination to Fill out the rest of the, <laughs> what happened
1: because it sounds bad. It doesn't sound like a bad gig, but it's co- like yeah. I was like, it, it was the most uncomfortable, like sex trafficking almost right scenario. I put well, that's the.
2: I mean, that's why it actually is like an interesting story. Like it's different than ones we usually because it's yeah. it is it does fall more into the, like what a weird like yeah. why did that happen? Like it feels like it's my own doing. Yeah, it. like by the time you got home, you'd be like, wait, what? Uh, how did I get to Italy? Yeah.
1: So like, from
0: that experience, would you still like? Would you still casually glance at the Craigslist? no was <laughs> oh,
2: that your God. first and last time
1: um it wasn't my last time no. maybe but I mean <laughs> I was I was 26 and I was just you know like you're just like just trying
2: to make it right <laughs> you're just trying <laughs> right. to make it you got that glimmer in your With eye Craigslist and- not With Craigslist yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's some, some what's things. the other? What's the other one that like
0: appeals to uh, Mandy? middle Mandy. age? No, that appeals to this mi-
1: was listed on Mandy too. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm well, lie. Got no, no, there's I'm there's another
0: list that appeals to like middle Angie. age. Like my, my Angie's list. Oh, I
1: was gonna say Emily's list, but that's like a cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, you can look at Emily's list for jobs, but good right? luck. Capitalizing <laughs> on the whole list <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> there's a lot of lists out there. That's so weird. Wait, so were you? At that time, I mean, you were looking for work, though, but were you looking to be an actor? I mean... Or were you just I'm trying to I'm multi
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: You no, wanted I mean, to I cover just, all the bases. I act, yeah. yeah. Well, how did that stand-up gig in London go?
1: Awesome. It was great. Like, I don't know. I've always... My comedy does really well in, like, places where there are, like, bodies buried underneath the cities. Like, it's just, right. Like, London, you know, Glasgow, Edinburgh. Like, mm. I just, like, you know... That kind of – those kind of crowds like dark comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, that was – it was totally worth it. That was great.
0: And was there even a, a, a thought to do it when you were in Italy?
1: Um, what, there was like this one American bar, but I just like it, – it was actually the longest break I t- I've taken from stand-up. It was about like a six-week break, which is kind of like healthy. But, yeah, no, I didn't like –
2: no. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't happening. It was We love you. Yeah. Um, so speak to,
0: you know, being at that time when you're, you're bartending and how, how, how long have you been doing stand up at that point?
1: I started stand up. I started improv, I guess. Like, I was a senior in college when mm-hmm. I started doing improv. Mm-hmm. Got into it through, like, a paper that I wrote. I, like, studied improv in my senior thesis, whatever.
2: Wait. You keep wanting to glance over, and I'm getting into this. Wait, why did I you – how like, did that happen? Because I
1: was an anthropology major. So, like, you get to, like, study – you have, you write, like, a, an ethnography your right. senior mm-hmm. year. And right. you just study anything you want. And so I, like, was interested in comedy. Right. And so I – Chicago wasn't at the time so much of a stand up town. It was right. more of like an improv town. So I kind of, they were like, go check out improv. And I landed at this place called Improv Olympic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was there for a year doing improv and like studying. And and then I just kind of started doing stand up after that. Improv is like this gateway drug to comedy. Right. And right. then stand up's like crack. And so I just right. like, <laughs> was like, I started doing stand up and I'm like, oh my God. Right. And so I was doing that for like maybe two to three years in Chicago. And then I moved to New York when I was like, In like 2007, Mm -hmm. so I guess at that point I'd been doing stand up for like four years or maybe three years when I did the London gig.
2: Mm. And what did you get on that paper?
1: (laughs) That paper? Oh, I think I got like a. I think I got like an A minus. Oh, that's pretty
2: good. Yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. What school is that?
1: Uh, Northwestern. All right. (laughs) They grade. Great school. They grade inflate. They what? Grade inflate. For yeah, sure, LA. They all do. <laughs> so all you got You school. got a B on. on so <laughs> I got like a B, yeah. <laughs>
2: but a solid B. A
1: solid B. For we're suing.
2: Sure. Hey, 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 hey! Wait. So how did you end up then with the London gig?
1: Oh, uh, my friend Jessica Delfino,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, dirty folk rocker, mm-hmm. had me open for her. She saw me at a gig and she was like, Get "Open for me." And then we became friends. We didn't really know each other, but we were like in London for two weeks. Right, staying at her friend's house in w- house in Walthamstow. Uh-huh. Her friend was a sex worker who um, engineered roller coasters and was married to a, like a twenty year old. She was like fifty, awesome woman. Whoa, wow! She had lived in New York for a while, was a part of like the Lower East Side art scene, and right. she moved to London.
2: Wait, would well, she design roller coasters? Yeah, That's... for
1: like, there's like a lot of money in the arts in like different European countries, and right. she was just like paid to design roller coasters in London.
2: That's amazing. While yeah. she was also a sex worker at the same time.
1: After, no. She oh, was a oh, sex worker. I thought I
2: was picturing these were years and parallel years earlier. jobs. But
1: like me, I don't know sex workers. Sure. So I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. She had been.
0: Right. Um, but Okay, so how about this? <laughs> well, I was going to say you could speak to the sex trafficking thing <laughs> later on in Italy. Um, but so you're opening these shows that were, where your friend is um, playing music, right? Yeah. So maybe speak to the idea. It was Some- like
1: musical comedy.
0: Okay, because okay. that that's sometimes the comedy music thing doesn't really. No, I lo- work.
1: I love the combination of the two. Like I, um, a boyfriend of mine in Chicago, we met because he kept putting me on his shows. He had a band in Chicago, and I would like do I would like just like is when my comedy was less funny than it is now. It was <laughs> just like really really dark, and I would just like open the shows and be like that blah blah and like then it would just compliment their band so well, right? Just because the audience would be like, put them on. Yeah. <laughs>
2: where where were you playing in chicago if you're open that was the oh, yeah, residency yeah. at
1: Shubas, and i yeah. was always like i would open for their whole for wait their, who was this band the scotland yard gospel choir i don't know if you know them they had a hugely terrible van accident and they Ooh. kind of are defunct oof.
2: really recently yeah. or about, uh
1: maybe like was it four years ago about oof. that time yeah huh. i
0: three live three years that ago that definitely sounds like a worse gig yeah, yeah. i know yeah, yeah. Shubas is actually was one of my favorite rooms in Chicago to play. It had that it wooden like. I don't think was, we ever played Shubas. It's a. It was. A, it's a nice size. It's not. It's not like
2: too big. Right. But it's not tiny. Right. We Chicago. don't think we ever played Shubas. We only played Fireside and Empty, empty bottle. bottle. Oh, and I love some the Empty Some art bottle. space that had a pirate ship in it that we played on a pirate ship. That's awesome. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> it was it was kind of awesome and also kind of weird. Um, so, but you're all for the music comedy. I love it. Mix.
1: Yeah, because it makes it more interesting for us. Yeah. Just because it also opens us to like a different demographic of sure. people, right? And I just think they complement each other. And I like. I feel like it, it depends on the type of comedy you do and the type of music you do, but like. I could be, have my head on my ass, but I like to do comedy that's not necessarily like just like for laughs. It's like a little bit more like of an artistic bent, like mm. where you're tr- trying to kind of say something. Maybe it's not totally funny, but like I think music crowds, I don't know. I started comedy, like stand up going to like working on a lot of music open mics in Chicago. So that's like the demographic that I like mm. to play for. Right. Like you could hit up like five or six music open mics a night and like just do stand up at them. Right. And I like when I started Hannibal and TJ Miller and Kumail Nanjiani, you know, those guys, yeah, they were yeah. all kind of like big shots in Chicago when I started and I would just like follow them around and they would literally hit up like five to six like shows or mics a night and you just mm-hmm. like them. But yeah, the Chicago music scene, I think, is how is pretty much, you know, how I started.
0: Right. So, so that, that's really interesting. I was actually having a conversation with a friend earlier today about, you know, differences between comedy and music and and. Personally, like you know if you're like we played in bands throughout our twenties you know and toured and did all that stuff, so you know a lot of our friends were kind of like-minded and mm-hmm. you know it's I find it's easier personally to talk to someone about music and then oh maybe we have a common bond that way, but what's always been fascinating to me in comedy is that you're hanging out with a lot of people that you may never have had anything to do with otherwise. It's a much wider right. melting pot, if you will, sure, than comedy than music, excuse me, yeah. Definitely. That's my platitude for the podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, there's also, yeah, there's a mutual appreciation. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, in my 20s, back in the day, I used to date only musicians. Not on purpose. It was just like who I gravitated towards. Right. And it's like the way I always interpret it is like, comedians for the most part kind of like go into comedy because like maybe they were like weren't the cool kids or they were like an outsider or whatever. I can't speak about myself. But like in general, <laughs> they were – so they look at musicians as like like perennially cool. Sure. Like the just cool kids. And so there's like an admiration for like musicians, whereas musicians, especially ones who like perform for big crowds, like they'll talk and their audiences love them. But then, like, they'll say something that's kind of funny and they'll feel that energy of a laugh. And then they'll want it again. So then they'll see a comedian and be like, what you do is really crazy because you can make people who don't give a fuck about you, like, laugh, like, on command. Right. And so there is, like, this kind of, like, mutual admiration. Sure, absolutely.
0: And and just the idea that, you know, with music, if you do, let's say, you know, tell a joke and you don't get that laugh – you just start playing the guitar. Yeah. You hide behind the wall. I envy you of
1: guys noise. so much.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's. I think it is. But I think it's that the mutual uh, admiration on my end comes from like. And when I was trying stand up on Long Island a couple of years ago, in, in the trenches, so to speak, like getting. I just wanted to get back on stage. Right. This is after I stopped playing. My band ended. It's like I, I craved like performing. Sure, yeah. But then to go up without any of the uh, accoutrement. Yeah. Yeah. If you will, to speak Italian, um, <laughs> you know, and just have to like you just just you're fucking naked on yeah. the stage. Yeah, it was so much harder. I, than, I, like, I have, and yeah. you, you know, with a band, you have it's literally a band. You have your comrades in arms that like, and you can travel internationally yeah. with
1: music because yeah. it's like a universal language. With yeah. comedy, you kind of can. Yeah, and, right. Like,
0: so it does limit. Like so, totally um, That limiting. answers the idea about. Playing in
2: Italy, doing open it mics in Italy. Open, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the American bar. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's just. I, I, yeah, I I, I still think stand up is so stressful. It's so it can stra- be. Like, it can yeah. be, and
1: then you get to a point where it's like you're only comfortable on stage.
2: Right, <laughs> right. It's Just like
1: where I am now. <laughs>
2: well, was it always that, way? or you have shifted no, it to like where? Like also, I'm, one day you woke up like, oh fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, you get to a point. Where it's all I don't know. Stand up's weird, like because. You write these jokes about, I, my comedy is kind of personal. So like I'll write a joke if I have like a breakup or something, mm-hmm. like I'll write about that. And then you're writing about that and you're like crafting those jokes. And then you're like, Oh, this is like fucking with me. Cause I'm like not getting over this right. as a human. Cause I'm digging deeper into it right. to make, to find comedy. Right. And so you kind of have to find that balance too. And like the best jokes are the ones where you're really feeling it. So right. it's like. If you want to put something behind you, but you wrote this really great joke, you have to like get back to that place for it to kind of be funny. So, you know, like I'm learning how to compartmentalize a little bit more, but it's, it's when you do personal comedy, it's
2: it's tough. It's so weird. I've actually been thinking about that when like in talking to my therapist, like of just like when I'm thinking of like writing sketch, like I'm like, he's like, why do you hold on to these things? I'm like, well, yeah. It's probably a joke there. Like it's a sketch yeah. idea. Yeah. Like that's yeah. why I keep thinking about this like my fucked, fucked up is really family. Funny. This is fucked <laughs> up. Yeah. like yeah, like I just try I got to get there, but so like there I do have to like weirdly like sink my claws into it. And, but and I'm like know. as a healthy human being, yeah. I probably shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's as one an of the artist. Reasons. <laughs> yeah. But, but as and, an artist, so it's going to work out well at the end. There's also this interesting thing cuz you
0: can do the same thing with music and writing songs and writing lyrics, um but you know when you're on stage telling your joke that's based in a personal experience it is a completely verbal connection whereas with music you have this you know sensory experience Emotional. where you could right. be sing- you know it's not just about the lyrics per se well, whereas in comedy it really so you're constantly when you're telling that joke every time you're, you you ideally are getting into the zone
2: for to be successful. right because uh, i mean i mean you kind of were saying that but like do you feel that sometimes where it's like oh i've written this like section about this like specific breakup possibly like and you know in theory you might actually be more over it than you are for the bit like it's so you're like yeah. but yeah. i'm just kind of regurgitating. like yeah, it's not that you're like, just doing it rotely but it's hard
1: know. when you're not writing a lot like the past two years i've had like like day jobs right. so it's like uh when i was at letterman and now i just don't have the time to like do as much stand-up to generate new stuff right. so a lot of my like best jokes and i'm doing that for the
0: listener jenna's quotation because <laughs> quotation yeah air quotes
1: but they're like you know like kind of of a different time when i felt different ways but it's like those are like i had an audition for like a late night spot and you have to like kind of mine for like your best kind of like one-liners and right. jokes but that also kind of like a little bit reflect like your comedic persona but the comedic persona I'm like doing is like this person of from like three years ago who like <laughs> right. fucking <Yeah>. broken <laughs> and,
2: like An emotionally stunted yeah. broken yeah
1: person. and I'm like totally still not that but um, <laughs> you know you have to just I don't know I don't know the answer I just uh, it's interesting because it's like when you're writing a lot of new stuff mm-hmm. it's exciting and then you're like oh like this is why I do stand-up but then when mm. you're not writing and you're regurgitating stuff from a couple years ago. It's just like, ah,
2: uh, right, like right, frustrating. Right.
0: Yeah. So, so you you mentioned the day jobs, and it seems luckily it seems like you've had day jobs involved with comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at this, and maybe you could speak about the Letterman uh, sure. experience a little bit, just because it's something that I've been fa- and I actually I you know born and raised in New York, and I only went to my first Letterman taping like a couple of weeks ago, and I was fascinated to see kind of how you know, piecemeal it really was and how, uh, you know, Dave kind of came out and bantered with the audience. And then once we started taping, it was like, you know, you know, machine like precision. Yeah. I um, mean, he's
1: a pro. He's been doing it yeah. for
0: yeah. 30 years.
1: Yeah. Um, all Um I was actually um, on my way to film school. I like got into film school in L.A. and I was going there and then like a month um, before I left, I, I'd submitted to Letterman like a year earlier and then like a month before I left, they were like, can we see something else? And so I sent them another packet and then I ended up like getting the job kind of quickly and it was great. Like I, um, um, it was, it was like the best, like first writing job I could ever dream of just cause it was, it was a place that kind of like, wasn't like, I had never felt like it was like a natural fit, but it was just like, I learned so much there right. and like, there's so many great comics who came out of there and, like, didn't last more than, like, three months or six months that I never felt that pressure sure. for some reason. People are like, were you so, like, stressed out about it? It was like, no, Louis C.K. was there for, like, three months. Will Forte was there for six months. I'm like, I, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. mind being in either camp. Like, right. yeah. You know, so it was just a good place to learn. And, like, you know, there were... It, it's hard because Dave is like so high in the totem pole, and we don't really interact with him. It's right. like it was like the head writers at the time, and then the, the producers, and then Dave. So it was like trying to write for people who were thinking about what people were thinking about. Dave was thinking about, so it wasn't as direct. It's kind of a like a
0: couple of steps. You're
1: yeah. a little removed, so it was like a little challenging in that regard. Um, but I got some funny stuff on.
0: Well, just logistically for people that don't know, because it seems like. Maybe for a head writer, it could be more of, like, a permanent thing. How does the actual, like, uh, cycle
1: Well, every show is different. And, um, you know, some shows have, like, his show was, like, him, and then he had producers, and then there were two head writers that were there, and then the writing team. Mm. Um, But, like, again, every show is different. And... uh, we would have like a meeting with the head writers and then like kind of come up with the jokes of the day, and they'd meet with him, and he'd like decide what he wanted, and then we'd go back and produce those like sketches and stuff okay um it's really exciting, but that's like how <laughs> that show yeah worked but
0: there yeah. would be no necessarily guarantee that after you know three months
2: or six months
1: oh or yeah any, like, you you had our, our contracts were every three months okay so yeah,
2: yeah. Did you feel the pressure while you were there of like the fact that you had to kind of generate so much stuff like or were you just I did was you feel so
1: shocked that I got the job Really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I was like enjoyed it the whole time. And then, you know, when I felt you know, then like after a year, I just felt like it wasn't really
2: right. Um how did you end up get like I mean how would you end up submitting cuz were you going were you planning on going to grad school for film or
1: I submitted uh, yeah I was working with a manager and I mm-hmm. submitted like writing jobs right. to all the shows right, right. And then um I was yeah and then I just uh that management company dumped me they were like, she's not, you're not going to make it. And
2: so <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hello, hello, okay. Then like a so, month so, so later, work. I got
1: Letterman. And the cool thing was the manager who I wasn't working with, the one in L.A. who actually signed me, who I really liked, mm-hmm. he like reached out um, after we had parted ways and was like, hey, they want to see another packet of yours. Right. And that was great. And, Went you know, but it's
0: beyond. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting to me is that so you applied to all of the shows, but then you got into film school. So what was your trajectory? What did you want it to be? Did you st- and stand up still in the mix? So like what yeah, was, what no, was I mean, the end I goal? Think,
1: like when I moved to New York, I realized in Chicago, you're just kind of like really just doing it for the love of it and the art. Mm-hmm. And you're not really figuring out how to pay rent yet because you don't really have to. It's like so cheap and easy to live in Chicago. It
2: is frustrating. What just, just Chicago being so cheap? It's so It, would, cool. it was the allure for years in, in Panthers in my band of everyone just be like, maybe we should be in Chicago, yeah. and and everyone all of these our friends amazing in Chicago apartments. love it. Yeah, yeah. and you a, would go to their apartments and be like, oh fucking hell, like, it's
1: what? awesome. And it was like, it was just such a good place to 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 be an artist because you're like, I wrote a play there and mm-hmm. produced it on my own dime as like a twenty three year old, and it's like you can't do that in New York. <laughs> right. Like you can't even. And so, um, but then when I moved here, I was just like, how do you exist? (laughs) How do you live? And I saw like other comics that I kind of looked up to had writing jobs on late night shows. Mm -hmm. So that's when I was like, oh, I should like kind of figure this out. And then at the same time, after that weird film experience, I was like, if weirdos can make film, (laughs) (laughs) I can make a film. So then I started making that like little, this like little web series that I made, um, and so I started kind of making film stuff on my own right. and that's why I was like maybe film school and so I just got into UCLA which was great cuz it was like a like they it's like a pretty good scholarship yeah. they mm-hmm. give to their grad students. Mm-hmm. So it was just like not I mean like NYU is like crazy expensive but right. UCLA would have been like like just a couple thousand a year or something it was like wow. very yeah. very reasonable. Um so I was like okay I'll go to film I'll figure that out maybe I'll go to film school.
2: Right. Did but, you have, if you went to, if you had gone to film school, did you have, like, a certain, like, did you have to pick a path?
1: Uh, it would have been what I'm doing, like, comedy. Like, it okay. just would have been, oh, that's, I guess, what I was saying. Like, when I moved to New York, I realized, like, you can't just do stand-up. You, you kind of have to do everything, you right. know? Like, I don't sure. know how it is with music, but with comedy, it's like, like, look at Louis. You know, yeah. like, he wrote for shows. He did stand-up. He, like, you know, had his own show and then another show. And it's like, right. you just kind of have to, like, figure out. Like at the end of the day, it's like not even like a medium. It's just like what you're trying to say in your voice and right. how to like disseminate that. Be right? It, is it stand up? Is it sketch? Is it f- yeah. like short films? Is it like music? I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. multi hyphenate, as you said it's earlier.
1: retarded. <laughs> I shouldn't say that word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you said it, and it's out there, and it's on the record. So that's uh, what uh, happens. So, but uh, so it sounds though so like especially because you know you were you're a little younger then, and it's like it, it was almost kind of like a. Was, the, was there, like, a long-term game plan in play? Or was it just kind of like, well, I think I'm going to do this now? Or, like, was did you ever see that, like, an ultimate, like, I want to be doing stand-up eventually as, I, like, a I living like, thing? I think, like,
1: on, like, a, in, like, a vague way, it's like I wanted to be, like, game plan play doing what I love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't really know exactly what that was. It was so funny because where I am now, like... Part of why I got into comedy, it was like the paper that I wrote was this like political economic, like Marxist analysis of Chicago's (laughs) improv scene. But I like was very political. But it was very political. And the first like passion project I did was like a parody on American girl dolls as refugees. It was like (laughs) this like dark satire, um, on this little doll company. And that was just like kind of like at that time, like getting really political and kind of finding your comedic voice, it's like, I just like love the combination of those two things. Right. So the stuff I'm doing now is literally like the most exciting thing to me because mm-hmm. like you're combining comedy and politics and like kind of saying something and it's just like, it's very like satisfying.
0: Do you think that in like maybe in a weird alternate scenario that with the skills that you're accumulating now with what you're doing that you could transition into like straight news or something like that?
1: There, I don't think there's any re, absolutely, because yeah. the Daily Show, I mean, the, the field team, we do, we're like a field, like any yeah. field team, mm-hmm. like, um, any, on any other show. But for me, it's just so much more, I think our generation, like the way we get the news and the way, like, I've always felt about, like, political satire and comedy is like, when you take, like, an idea and you sugarcoat it in comedy, people, like, can digest it. Yeah, right. And so, to me, it's, like, more impactful. I feel the same way with music. It's, like, if you have, like, a song or, like, an idea, like, give peace a chance and you put it to music, then people will, like, hook into it. Yeah. I feel, like, that to a lesser extent with comedy, but because I'm not really musically inclined, right. this is a way that I can right. try to brainwash yeah, people.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely or, not right, when you start getting, your fans get older, they're like, stop talking about these stupid politics in your songs is how it felt for me <laughs> like oh really even, yeah yeah or in in my on oh, my older band we would have like a lot more songs about like situationists There, and, there was a like, political yeah band. like oh, critical theory stuff and then as we got older and i think like people started getting they just want to hear about J- yeah it's yeah. just like uh, stop talking about de board it's just like well that's
0: right. that's like there well there's there's never mind everybody goes through uh, like an idealist phase sure. especially at the end of college right out of college and that critical uh, theory
2: is reflected. For that. Uh, I
1: guess it's it is hard to do political music, just as it's hard to do comedy about. No, well, it's, it, it's a type of
2: it thing. Is, in, it's, it's, it's I think yeah. it works best at a certain. Weirdly, in a, like a certain, especially in the punk world, it worked best yeah. in a certain it's age so set. But yeah. yeah, but then all of a sudden, like people like the fads get kind of bored they or, get boring, or and they're like, eh, I don't feel like dealing with that kind of stuff. I, I, almost,
0: I almost feel that it's not necessarily
2: boring as much as real world problems sure, to, like too.
0: when you're younger and you don't have to worry about about you know basic things yeah i can worry about highfalutin ideals you know mm-hmm. but then when uh, you, you have to start making a living and maybe you have a family and you have a you know there are all of these day-to-day issues that come into your sure mind. And it's like well I, i'm not i can't worry about this bullshit right, right now because i have other things affecting me sure And we've gone right
2: off. uh... It could
1: also just be like music is emotional and comedy is like cerebral. So it's like you can like handle political comedy maybe more so than like you like maybe don't listen to music to like – Be political, like to sure, sure, yeah, right, It's it's, that immersive. It's like more of like an escapist or like experience, and
0: that's yeah, that's why that fine line between musical musical comedy is just so (laughs) such a tightrope to (laughs) walk, tightrope. Yeah, it seems scary uh, to me sometimes. So I know you like it, but (laughs) well, yeah, there's yeah. That's, for the for the listener,
2: Jenna just shook her head. So that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> look, I know it's your favorite thing in the world.
0: But. Uh, look, Weird Al probably gets a free pass. Yeah, sure. I don't have to listen to his records anymore. <laughs> I don't have to listen to his records after like
2: I was thirteen.
0: But he's. You an don't kid. have to. But so you can. Wh- why don't you give us if you could pull out a worse gig, maybe from uh, Oh from yeah, stand up. Days. Yeah, I
1: have one. Oh Jesus, I um. <laughs> Was opening for my friend who's now dead.
2: <laughs> oh, good start. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs>
1: all right,
2: <let's> all... <laughs> I love it already. It's my favorite story.
1: <laughs> um, Mike DiSifano, may he rest in peace. He's mm-hmm. the coolest. He was like one of the first people who just kind of like saw what I did and was like, I like it. And the, this is crazy. This is a crazy story. So when I first started in comedy, I would like joke about what I was like afraid of and like a total germaphobe and, totally afraid of AIDS and I would make jokes and they weren't like making fun of people with AIDS as much as my fear of it. And I remember like one time at a show, like some like hipster was like, that's not funny. And I was like, he's like, AIDS isn't funny. And I was like, how do you know I don't have it? And like the whole crowd like (laughs) totally got on my side because they thought I had
2: AIDS.
1: (laughs) But I lied just to like, you know, be funny and to get people to laugh. Um, But so Mike was like a mentor and I would always like text him like my like AIDS joke, like my, my new AIDS joke. And one day he texted me back and he's like, did you know my wife died of AIDS? And I was like, ah, like (laughs) I totally thought he was joking. I totally, because I had a very protected sheltered childhood Mm -hmm. and Mike was like a heroin addict. And so like we just aren't from the same worlds. And um, then I, then he, and then I called him just because I was like, wait, what? And we had this really like beautiful long conversation and I was like, I, I can't even... Stressed to you like how sorry I am and he's like I, I know where it's coming from and I understand what you're trying to do and like and also this was uh, at the same time I was living in Boys Town which is like the gay neighborhood mm-hmm. and I was doing these like cabaret open mics where like this is in Chicago in Chicago okay. where like men would like just sing like somewhere over the rainbow they'd <laughs> right. all sing that song <laughs> it's a and then I would get up and be like AIDS AIDS. like <laughs> the jokes that I would do weren't again they would laugh at them and it was like if the demographic like that's been like most hurt by this Epidemic can like laugh at this. Sure. It's like I'm I'm talking about it, but I'm not making fun of it. You know what yeah, I mean? So I mean, there's always a fine line to that. But I so I had like a confidence in what I was doing that wasn't like mean spirited. There was like humanity in it. If I anyway. So um, but uh, so Mike had me open for him uh, at the Lakeshore Theater in Chicago, and um, this isn't about AIDS. I just had to set it up. <laughs> a little background. I just had to get a little ba- background. So I opened for Mike. And the Lakeshore Theater was this really really cool place. They were like experimental. It was like a 350 seat theater. They would bring comics who had only been doing stand up for like a year or two up. But they didn't run it like a comedy club. Like they didn't deal with hecklers. Mm-hmm. Um, one time like I forget it was like Doug Stanhope or Jim J- Jeffries or someone like peed like on stage and like every, it just it was very like rowdy and crazy. <laughs> So I opened for Mike and we had, there was like a 1 a.m. show, which there really shouldn't have been. And they do breaks to get people to go to the bar and they let the most drunk people in. So it just like wasn't the most ideal environment for comedy. And, uh, I did my set, which was like fine about seven minutes. And then like they had everyone, this is like at 1 a.m. on a Saturday, Mm. they had everyone go get drinks and then come back. And before bringing Mike on, for some reason, they were like, Jenna, you go on again. And I didn't have any more comedy. I had seven minutes of comedy. So it's like, I'm, warming up this crowd of like Opie and Anthony like racists <laughs> right. for my friend Mike who's he's also was in Narcotics Anonymous so it's like all that crowd so like that's not my target demo yeah. like those are not my people yeah. right. so I did like a couple jokes that weren't great and then this guy in the front row this like white dude was like get off the stage you're not fucking funny he was wasted I probably wasn't funny but that's like the <laughs>
2: worst
1: heckle you can ever get as a comic the worst yeah. heckle And so I, um I was like, so he was white and dressed as like a thug and he was slurring his speech. So I just was like, like, I like, I was like, you know, like, can you, I tried to, deal with him and I was like can you be quiet whatever and he's like fuck you and I was like I don't speak bonix
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the whole crowd just I lost them completely because oh. they didn't see that he was white like they needed to see that he was white <laughs> yeah. and it just like made me feel like Michael Richards and I <laughs> got off the stage and Mike DiStefano said that he was like that was one of the best sets of my life I should have taped that because the crowd was so uncomfortable right. that when he got on he, could, he just did 10 minutes like riffing on that yeah. and then they like he just had the, an amazing set, but, like, I got off stage and cried oh. <laughs> into the arms of my nice boyfriend in that band.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's an amazing story. Um, and it also goes what I was saying earlier about, like, like Mike's decent. He's from Long He was from Long Island, right?
1: Was he? Uh... Uh, I feel like the Bronx.
0: Oh, the, okay, he was a New York guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, the just the fact that, like, you bonded with this guy who yeah. you otherwise right. yeah, no, never would have any I anything know. to do with. And, I mean... It, I had a, a similar story when I was doing stand up online. There's also a very big like recovery stand up scene. Like a lot of guys who had problems with substance abuse get into doing comedy and it's like, you know, they're not doing it. To, they're doing it to like air out their demons, not sure. to like get great at it. Right. Um, but at the time when I was living there, I was, I was really interested in it. my band had just ended and I was like, well, I now I want to really, I want to try stand up and get back on stage. And, So I did a show that was at a halfway house. Wow. Because I knew that there was a guy who's like a guy on Long Island, book shows at a halfway house. He himself, he had desperate for stage time. I feel you. Yeah. Like, like he had one, he had a rubber hand. Uh huh. One where he was in a horrific accident. And I went to this halfway house way out east of Long Island. It was so depressing. It was like a room, fluorescent lights. It was the like kitchen. And there was no stage. There was a little bass amp. There was no stage. No, no. it was <laughs> literally in the corner Get of it together, kitchen. halfway house. And they bring in. <laughs> yeah, what am I saying? What, what am I like? Where's the <laughs> stage? The green I'm room sucks. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> they bring. you amount of chips for
0: me to They bring they didn't in
1: take these. out the green. Yeah. <laughs> they,
0: they bring in these tables, plastic kind of folding tables. They bring in like 30 of these fucking hard ass motherfuckers who are like raw and not, like, right. and this is ready not, for
1: society. Right. So they yeah, were in a halfway exactly. house.
0: <laughs> and I went up first, you know, uh. and, like, they, uh, and got to laugh, my first joke. And then after that, like, the, I lost them just going into my second show. They're going, They're, you know, like, guys yeah. are getting up and walking out of the room. And I clearly did not know how to, how, how to handle that crowd at all. Uh, and I knew it was going to be a disaster, but I yeah. knew like there was going to be a story here. <laughs> <laughs> but it just goes like, and maybe you can speak to this, this idea that. You know You have a particular Brand of comedy And maybe you connect With a certain audience Oh sure But how do you get You know Getting to that point Where like You can appeal To a broader group And know What works with What group of people
1: Yeah I mean There are a couple of things So when I first moved To New York I was so desperate For stage time Somebody was like Do this show For like Memorial Sloan Kettering (laughs) Like during the day (laughs) Of a cancer ward (laughs) And I was like Yeah that's gonna be fine And literally It was just like Beyond crickets You're getting like Heckled by dialysis (laughs) machines It was just like (laughs) Saddest Saddest thing And I'm like ugh But um, as, uh, To speak to performing In different demographics In Chicago It's a very like Segregated city So it was like One of the coolest places To In a bad way But it was like One of the coolest places To do, to do comedy Because you could actually Perform for like An all gay crowd In Boystown Or like all hipsters Or go to like I would do shows At the south side And perform for like An all black crowd Or like the west side And perform for like An all like La- 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 Latino crowd mm-hmm. Or like you know, an all gay lady crowd. which are, They are
2: the worst crowd. <laughs> I
1: think they'll like, they like me more now, which is really a sad comment on me. Like, my comedy is like gay, even though I'm not. Well, but, is um, it just
2: because they're just ready to just tear you apart immediately? <laughs> I don't know. What are you doing up there?
1: <laughs> they're just like.
2: What are you doing? They're just
1: humorless. Whereas yeah. like gay men are just so.
2: Want to have a good
0: time.
1: Yeah, all right. Having sex. You know, <laughs> be happy, yeah. But um, <laughs> it just like so that so that city really like if if a joke works in all those separate demographics, then it to- then it like works. Yeah. And everywhere is different. Like I was just in DC performing, and I had this like abortion joke, and it was like the first moment where I was like, oh, like I haven't been out of New York in a while because mm-hmm. like a lot of people, like not everybody on the planet's pro-choice. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. just, like this like like oh duh, you know yeah. what I mean? Um yeah and then another like another as we're talking about worst gigs like five just popped in my head but like one other one when i was in london performing at the comedy store it was like another late night drunk crowd and i did a joke that's like it's like satirical i i don't do this joke anymore but it's a really funny i thought it was funny but they the audience was so aggressively mad at me because like (laughs) we just you just can't joke about race in a country that you're not like from sure right. where you have like a different political history yeah. about race but i had this like joke where the punchline was just like you know um uh i forget it it was like about non-white babies and like um they're so much cuter because like they need to be to get adopted <laughs> but it was like totally satirical and about sure. the idea that like why do we only adopt like white babies and right. this is before angelina was adopting not like it was before that so i was like yeah but um <laughs> The crowd was, like, drunk and British, and I was, like, a young American, and they just, like, hated me. And they were mean. Like, I thought that they were going to, like, throw a bottle at me. It was just, like, very intense. So it's, like, yeah, it's hard with comedy. You have different crowds, and you don't know. But you get a sense the more you do it, you know? And you just get a sense of, like, what crowds are going to like. And by certain jokes, like, you kind of start off safe, and then, like, different jokes kind of inform later jokes that you'll do. Like, if they Mm -hmm. don't like this, they're not going to like that joke or, like... That's kind of how I have done it.
0: Do you feel uh, confident now that you have um, that you can essentially perform anywhere? And yeah, get you can over?
1: perform anywhere, but like it's like, what do I want to say? It's like I right. know how to make like a certain crowd laugh, but it's like those jokes make me sad, and I don't want to do them. Like I don't, you know. So it's like you get a sense where it's like I know where I can perform, and then where I want to perform, and what I want to say, and and I'm kind of like. Right now, getting to perform like where I want versus you know, sometimes clubs shows like I remember in Chicago, I would like do shows at Zadie's, which is like a pretty like progressive club for Chicago. but there were like these some crowds that it's like you know what's going to make them laugh, but then like that's why that's how comics kill themselves
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right.
1: Like, I'm, uh, uh, you know' it's, like <laughs> I just don't want to do that. Yeah. I'd rather just not do comedy
0: <laughs> right when you when you just had that wellspring of of bad gigs that just came to your mind. Do you have another one?
1: <laughs> you wanna? Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I mean, you got. got these, these, these I got there?
1: heckled last week at the stand. It was like I did. I did another abortion <laughs> joke. See <laughs> a pattern?
0: Like, Apparently, like, the, the abortion stuff kills. <laughs> and I <laughs> boom, it,
1: but it was my fault again because I have only been doing like little like holes in Brooklyn, right? And I did this joke where it was like I was like about talking about like fetuses, and I was like, "You guys know what those look like, right?" And it's like, don't why are you asking a rhetorical question for, like, a possibly, like, offensive joke? Like, don't give them that opportunity. And Absolutely. I can't believe in the year and a half I've been telling it that, like, it never came up. But this one woman was like, yeah, they look like babies. And then I was just like, oh! <laughs> 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 and I'm like, first of all, why didn't I think? No. Yeah. But um, I don't – it was also, like, this kind of feminist joke where it's like, I don't want to be like, you have a big vagina. Like, I don't want to, like, shut her down. And I, I want – like, it's – it's the jo- the joke isn't – it's about, like – not even it's not even like about abortion it's more about like policy but whatever um sounds funny right but
2: um we're listening
1: (laughs) but i didn't want to attack her because that's not my mo either like when i get heckled like i know some comics are like aggressive and they'll be like fuck you and your family i hope everybody dies but i'm just like someone's talking like i just don't it's not fun for me to make people feel bad yeah um or if i make them feel bad it's cuz of my comedy not like on a personal level right. like that i actually like when i get people to cringe like that's fun mm-hmm. but um so then she said that and i kind of like i got the crowd like to relax after that i, I kind of played with her but then her boyfriend or whoever the guy with her was like like just went on about like what fetuses look like over <laughs> my joke and i was just like that's my ex and then like <laughs> he comes all the shows and says that but then i got the crowd totally on my yeah. side but it's only after like Doing comedy for seven years, that someone could literally be like, fetuses in the first three months of life, and like, you can handle it. And you're like, yeah, honey, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) you were really clingy. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Oh,
2: man. Wow.
1: But that was, that was, I haven't had like that kind of experience happen in like at least two years. Right. And that was like, that happened about two weeks ago. Yeah.
2: Wow. Were there shows like that you felt, like, because, you know, you've been doing it for a while, but, like, were there shows, like, early on where you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that? Like, All of them. Because... Yeah.
1: <laughs> Every show. Right. Like, I mean, I, comedy is, like, so masochistic.
2: Right.
0: It's yeah. It's like... It's not pretty. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, no, just, but it's... I mean, it takes some a certain... I played tennis in high school. Uh-huh. And nothing mm-hmm. can prepare you for, like, comedy, like, better than that. That was... South Jersey girls tennis is like <laughs> war. I mean, like you're fighting with your whole, with your teammates to like be number one. And right. It's just like this aggressive, like mean girl times 10 thing. Right. So the fact that like comedy is like painful in its own way, but like you don't have to physically win. You know what I yeah. mean? Like right. you can like, like the worst case scenario. I guess it's like getting shot <laughs>
2: That's not that Yeah. Yet. Have you ever had those no, moments where you're like, Am I about why I to said get that out shot?
1: Loud. <laughs> I'm like jinxing myself. It's been a fear of mine. But like, sure. The worst thing that happens for the most part, unless you're Kurt Metzger, who's a very funny comic, but he keeps having like, I don't know if you know him, he keeps getting like punched in the face at shows or something. Yeah. Maybe just twice. I made yeah. it. Yeah. Is like that Twice
2: is yeah. two times is enough. <laughs> you know, know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Actually, when we my band played in DC once and at the Black Cat, and someone got shot outside the show. Really? Yeah. So yeah, it was just, I mean, I don't think they yeah. were. It wasn't like in a crowd. at like, I think they were either going to or coming from the show.
2: Right. Someone got shot. I guess my high school band we played a show and someone pulled a gun outside and started shooting in the air Jesus. as well. <laughs> and we were Wait. in the middle of like Bridgeport, Connecticut or something. <laughs>
0: Jesus well, that, I do love this the the comedy tennis uh analogy. I mean or just sports it yeah. just you
1: have this like tough exterior where like the worst case scenario I'm gonna get like an like a anti-choice
0: heckler yeah, right but nobody does win at comedy whereas there there's a finite
1: yeah and but you don't was have there to a like period where perform like yeah. you can I guess when I first started doing stand-up I'd been doing improv for two years so I was like a little bit more conditioned I'm right. not like a natural performer so it's right. like it has always been hard but like you're just on stage and you're comfortable doing improv. But I remember, like, the first open mic I did, I wrote this whole joke and then I um totally blanked and I, like, I kind of, like, you choke. Like, mm-hmm. but in tennis it's so much worse because, like, you get, I'd get, like, spaghetti arms or right. ticklish arms. Tennis
0: elbow, perhaps? Yeah, <laughs> but
1: just, like, you're, like, when, like, it's it's weird physically. When Like, I, I remember, like, my arm is ticklish now thinking about it, but, like, I literally, when I was a freshman in high school... I was like slated to be like number one and I just like during preseason totally choked and I would like hit the ball out and it's just because of your brain and your body there's such a right connection that if like your brain is scared your body's not going to perform.
2: I would have times playing music uh and I still do every now and then where I'll be playing and then all of a sudden I'll be like no, it's weird that I know how to do this. Oh, it's muscle and, memory. Yeah, but yeah. then when, once I have that moment, forget, like yeah. it's He's like, well, to I'm gonna fuck up this like yeah. immediately. Yeah. I forget
0: how to play the base. Is there an alternate timeline of your life where tennis could have been?
1: I was the not. Thing? I played in college actually. I was like a. I walked onto the team, but it was like we were we were Big Ten champs. Like it was a pretty good team. But no, I mean after, no. unless you're like a professional athlete, right? Which I never was, you know. But um. Yeah, tennis, and it wasn't something I chose to do. Like, yeah. It was oh, something that, like, having a Jewish mother, they just, like, made to do things. <laughs>
0: <Right>. Of course. <laughs> Shove, Somehow, it having a Jewish mother, I was able to uh, uh, elude <coughs> playing any sports whatsoever. So, Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Having a um, high school football coach as a father did not keep me <laughs> yeah. from playing football and lacrosse. Well, on that note, Jenna, to bring this full
2: circle question that it. we ask all of our guests
1: wait is this podcast supposed to be funny because i'm sorry
2: if i no, let you it's down uh so great job
0: <laughs> <laughs> question deflating both of our ego everybody's ego in the room at the same is this podcast supposed to be funny that's going to be you were amazing
2: we thank you when for we're that. on the cover of time it'll just yes. be your book
0: My <laughs> uh, <I> emasculated self.
1: So, <laughs> sorry question, i'm so good at that i hate to be okay
0: question that we ask all of our guests here did you think show was funny no um <laughs> yes what do you think of the word gig? gig gig um is this supposed
1: to be like a like a uh, rorschach no no this is
2: yeah, just whatever just pops your... in your brain when the word gig I comes i know in. what you think of it
1: like a, just because we were talking about i don't know, like a i was gonna say gag or like a gigabyte <laughs> okay. i don't have anything technology and nausea
2: perfect it's a perfect <laughs> answer.
0: Podcast. it's a unique
1: answer <laughs> basically podcast yes perfect and
0: on that note, you gave us so many great stories. Oh. You you also just reevaluated what we are doing with our lives in the last thirty <laughs> seconds. So Jeff and <laughs> I feel I I good about it. <laughs> I feel great about my life. You
1: guys are great. This well, is fun. Well, thank, thank you.
0: you. We just want you to get home safe.
1: Oh, thanks. Is that like a like? <laughs> it's, it's scary
2: out there. So you know, get a guard.
1: Ted Bundy used to say that. Worst gig ever. <laughs>